Let's remember that where two or three are gathered together, turn your mic on. In his name, he is in the midst of them. And I think I. I'm sorry. So where two or three are gathered, he is in their midst. So if get somebody with you if you're at home and call it church, because Jesus calls it church. These are unbelievable times. We thought it was difficult with COVID, but what we're experiencing now goes way beyond that. And the benediction is meant to bring peace to God's people. And we usually end with that. I'm going to start with that this morning. Because we need to walk in this time in the peace of God where turmoil is multiplying, intensifying. Every day we read, hear something new. So... I'm going to bless you as we begin and bless you when we end. So I say to you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor. Receive it now and grant you his peace. Father, we thank you that in this time we can have peace. You say, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So you have already done that. The world is trying hard to find an answer, and they will never find an answer until they look up. They look in, they look out, they need to look up. And so today we look up to you and receive our strength from you. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we sing together a hymn that starts with the words, I know, not I think, I hope, but I know. My Redeemer lives. Ready? I know that my Redeemer lives. What joy the blessed assurance gives. He lives, he lives, who once was dead. He lives by Triumphant from the 
troubled heart. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my. God, calm the troubled hearts of your people. Calm the troubled hearts in the world, oh, God. Yes, People are fighting one another. They're fighting within families. They're fighting among families. They're fighting among cities and within cities. They're fighting countries. And we say today, my soul, wait thou only. Only upon God. Where's our answer? We don't look in. We don't look out. We look up. This may be a new song to some of you. Kind of a new song to us. place of peace and security. Where is our security? Our security is not in government. Our security is not in relatives, not even in family. Our security is in God. right into that mic there. Oh. I was calling out to the Lord and just saying, all these circumstances, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> are, you, are you hearing us? Are you standing for us? And God reminded me, I am not moved by circumstances. That's I move the circumstances, but they do not move me. Oh, wonderful. Right. That's a great word. Over all the earth 
You reign on high Every mountain stream Every sunset sky But my one request Lord, my only aim Is that you reign in me again Lord, reign in me Reign in your power Over all my dreams In my darkest hour You are the Lord of all I am So won't you reign in me again Over every thought Over every word May my life reflect The beauty of my Lord Cause you mean more to me exalted you to a place of authority, a place of power, a place of influence over all the world. Thank you. When people are falling apart, we can come and we can find peace before you.
So we speak that name over our city. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Yes. We speak that name over our state. Yes. Jesus. Jesus. We speak the name Jesus over our country. Jesus. Jesus. King Jesus. We speak King that name Jesus. over our dark world that is looking, 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 and not finding. Jesus, Jesus, you are able. You are are powerful. Yes, Lord. You can do it, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for your name. We thank you for your name. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing the last verse again. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If we ever need salvation from sin, we need it today, don't we? We need it in our family. We need it in our country. Oh, there's so much sin. There's so much hatred. There's so much animosity. There's so much confusion. There's so much darkness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the name of Jesus. Jesus, your name is holy. Is holy Lord Jesus, Jesus your, your name brings light. Jesus, your name above every other. Jesus, your name is life. Jesus, your I think it's my pocket right now. I think I. Thank <laughs> Yeah. If you're taking an offering at home, you can use anything. You can use a plate. You can use a spoon. Yes. 
you can do it online too, can't you? We have people that still send checks in, and uh, that's a one wonderful way. I talked about giving to my grandchildren, and we, we gave them a piece of money, all 15 of them, when we were together earlier this week. And I said, what do you think you could do with this? And I asked them to talk about it, and they gave me some ideas. Their parents gave them ideas. And then they gave each other ideas, and then I gave it to them, and I said, I want to hear back from you on how you invest what you've been given. So I'm looking forward to hearing. I'll probably turn it into a blog one of these days. And it happened right. to be on your birthday, by the way. It was on my birthday, yes. yes I was giving, giving on my birthday. Yes. So, say we. We. Say it louder. We. Now say them. Them. That's what racism is. Racism is we and them. It's a divide. It's creating a division. It's creating a barrier. And it comes possibly from understanding or it comes from un misunderstanding or it comes from fear or it comes from discomfort. And I don't want to deal with that. And so I want to say we and then them. And I push people away. Billy Graham said when asked, what is the greatest problem we face in America? You know what he said? Racism. Because you see nations coming against nations. And Matthew 24, ethnos, ethnos, people groups coming against people groups. World War II, I just read a little bit about it this morning. I didn't realize how many how many nations were involved? We call it a world war. It was definitely a world war. Over 50 nations in World War II lost massive numbers of people. We lost more in World War II, of course, than any other war. And the world lost about 85 million. At that time, it was 3% of the population. Nation rising against nation. That's racism. So I told you two weeks ago that in Sunday school we sang this song, Red and Yellow. Did you sing that? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves them. Unfortunately, we haven't done a good job of loving them. I'm thankful for Jacob Bagul and others who are connecting with the red, which is not really red. It's more of a tan, a brown. But Jacob and others, probably thousands, are connecting with them to help them rediscover who they are because we didn't tell them who they were. We slaughtered them. Genocide is a word that's been used for what we did to the Reds, the African-Americans. Very sad. I'm sad for Pearl Harbor and what happened to Americans. But I'm sad for what happened to the Japanese after that, where we took 117,000 and we sent them, they were Americans, and we sent them to detainment camps in desolate portions of western United States, 117,000, sometimes separating them from families, some dying alone. I hope we've repented of that. Terrible decision. Why? Say we. Say them. They were we, and they became them. They became people that we were afraid of now, people that we couldn't trust, people that we had to back off from. Well, you're Japanese. You're yellow. And so we, we, in our minds, we said we can't trust them. 
And so we didn't, and so we sent them away. They were respectable American citizens that we did that to. It never should have happened. You ladies were just talking to Esther, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Esther, a capable Asian lady, mother of two, part of our house church. Her first exposure to racism came in a little town north of here. I'm not going to say it because you might hate it after I tell you what they did to her. But she had names called by older men that were inappropriate and impure. And it made her feel like dirt. In the workplace, she had to labor especially hard to show that she was capable and educated because sometimes people assumed that she was ignorant because she looked different. This is what she wrote. I'm reading it here. Her son didn't know who, didn't know he was biracial until he was bullied in school. And then he found out he was different. Her children were sometimes made to feel like they didn't belong anywhere. That's what she got for being an Asian on American soil. Red and yellow, black and white. I can't imagine an African American coming to America and then seeing a sign on a university for whites only. or to go to a public bathroom and seeing the same sign. Such hatred, such ignorance. I, I spoke to Brent and Audrey. They have a mixed marriage for which they get sinister looks from both sides who call it a mixed marriage. Audrey grew up in Gabon and came to the States in 2001. In college, people would purposely avoid touching her. Maybe because they thought they were getting dead contaminated. She and her white husband have often been stared at in sinister ways from people who have opinions about their marriage. A geneticist, and Audrey, as you know, is a medical therapist, told his students that blacks had a lower IQ than whites and Asians. I can't imagine someone getting away with that in a classroom. If I, I would have been on my feet, wouldn't you, if that had happened? I don't know, what, I, I don't know why that didn't, didn't come with some alarm. I can't imagine that that could be said and left alone. Since becoming a therapist, Audrey has had patients refuse to work with her because of her color. Some are convinced that African Americans are inferior. Say it again, we. Say them. That's what people do in their discomfort. She is different, she looks different, she must not be smart, She must have problems. She must be contaminated. What a terrible, terrible thing. Here's what Paul McKenzie wrote. You know Paul on behalf of his wife. Adriana experienced racism in a variety of ways, like being watched closely in stores as a suspected thief. Being married to a Caucasian, we've felt some disrespect from the African-American culture because we have an interracial marriage. Adriana was accused of trying to be white because she talked and behaved certain ways. I don't know what those ways are. So Paul concluded, yes, racism is real. My friend Anthony lives down the street in a rental property 
CJ, you just met him. He's a great guy. He's wonderful. I'd love to have him as a son. Uh, a lot of people call him Big Anthony because Anthony is big. And he's black. He's not black in my thinking. I'd call him brown, but uh, that's the word we used. He found that some jobs were not available to him because of his color. He's smart. He's been a, a manager at a bank. But some things weren't available to him because he was black. He had been stared down because he has a white daughter. He has had to deal with fear. And I can imagine the fear some blacks would have. Because he has often felt on the defensive. Like he's had to prove himself. Listen to what his answer is. He found out that by being honest and vulnerable, it helped others to be more accepting of him and less fearful and skeptical. What a wise thing to do. What a confident thing to do, just to be vulnerable and to be open about it rather than being offended and pulling back. So yesterday, I went to the gas station. I don't think I told, did I tell you? <clears throat> went to the gas station and got gas. When I finished, I looked behind me and someone had just pulled in. Uh, an African-American got out. And uh, so I walked over to him, young guy, and I said, would you mind if we had a, just a quick conversation? I'm a preacher and I'm preaching on this tomorrow on racism. And I'd like to know if you've experienced racism. And he said, yes, sir. Very polite, very soft-spoken. In a moment, I could see his character. He said two words, and I, I felt a peace. I felt a responsiveness. And he said, my mind is racing now because I don't know where to go because there has been some. And he said, I've often heard the word, the N-word, he called it the N-word, used for me. <clears throat> and uh, I've been pulled over. I was pulled over, and I wasn't sure why I was getting pulled over because I stopped at the sign. And, uh, the police officer asked for my license. I gave it to him, and he said, it's expired. And I, ooh, he didn't know that it had been expired. And the police officer, oh, by the way, then two other cars pulled up. So now there are three cars that are making sure they're safe. And I, maybe I could get that if I, if I knew what they have dealt with. I don't know. But they sure didn't need it with this guy. They didn't need one with him. Uh, he, he asked him if he want a ticket for being expired or for not slowing, not stopping. And he said to himself, well, I stopped, so I'll take it the other ticket. And uh, he, he said it, it, it hasn't been easy, but they had to go quickly. And then he looked at me and he said, did you ever speak at Concordia? <laughs> I smiled. I said, yes. He said, that's where I know you from. <laughs> and uh, his sister said, me too. She played plays basketball. They were going to basketball practice. So I gave him my card. I said, I want to sit, I want to sit down with you again. So uh, I, God really gave me a, a blessing in, in meeting a young man, obvious character. I knew he had character when he said two words. And it showed as he continued to talk. So I really hope I get to know him better and have a chance to talk with him more. God picked out Peter and Saul to be his key men. Did they have any issues? <laughs> Say it again. Here's we and them. Who's, who's, who are the thems to Peter? What were they? Unclean. Huh? Unclean. They're unclean. They were dogs. They were outcasts. They had no place. For the gospel. So he preached to thousands on Pentecost, proselytes and Jews, and they came in, 3,000 3, came in. Then he healed a lame man, and uh, 
Got another crowd coming in. But then the Lord said, I got to deal with this man. And so he gave him a vision. You remember the vision? The, the food, and he, he wasn't going to touch it because he's kosher. And then the Lord said, don't call things I call clean, unclean. And then he got, here's a knock. God's timing, God's perfect timing. It's all working out. The knock on the door. And they'd say, Peter, you're supposed to come. Uh, you're coming to a, a Gentile's house. He walks in on this centurion and a, a, a house packed with people who want to hear the gospel. And Peter is here. And he, he's not going to open his mouth until he's prompted to. And then he gets it, finally. Revelation breaks in. And he has to go and almost apologize back in Jerusalem. And they said, well, the, he said, well, the spirit fell just like it did on us. So what was I to do? <laughs> so uh, God turned him around. And then he took Paul and he threw him. I don't think he was on a horse. It doesn't say he was on a horse. He was, he was probably riding threw him to the ground, made him blind, and uh, Paul figured, somebody's on me that's bigger than I am. Who are you, sir? I am, what did you say? Yes, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And I think he must have said, uh-oh. This is serious. He can't see. He's flat on the ground. And Jesus says, uh, is dealing with him. And he's turning him around so that he will take away his hatred and give him love. And he who hated Christians now becomes the chief Christian ever the most powerful, whose letters, my letters don't get in Holy Script, but his letters do. We read them as the Holy Word of God. So as we look at this matter of racism, it looks like every day is something more is unfolding. It's not going to go away. And it's not going to get solved. It's not going to get solved by the head. It's going to get solved in the heart. So if we really want to make a difference, we quit yelling at everyone that disagrees. Because it doesn't get solved there. It didn't work with Peter and Paul. It got solved when God got a hold of their heart. That's right. And <laughs> So I'm going to give you four things about racism that I hope will help us in getting to the, getting to the bottom of it. So how do, we, how do we deal with it? I went to James because James is a, is a letter of wisdom. He's the brother of Jesus, and he can help us when we lack wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. What does God do? He gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. So God give us wisdom and we look at the character of God and he loves races and hates racism. He loves races. He loves races so much that in the new earth it will include races. It will include nations. It will include people groups. And they will bring their special treasures. The people of Malaysia will have a special treasure to bring. You'll especially love the New Earth for that reason, because you love different people groups. And we will see maybe dancing or singing or, or weaving or creating, but we will see it. This is what Revelation 21 says. By its light, 
will the nations walk. Here they are. They're in the new earth. The nations are here. And the kings of the earth, there's authority in the new earth. The kings of the earth will bring their glory. What's their glory? Their glory. What, what God shaped within them that they can give to us. It may be dancing. I don't know what it is, what it will be. And its gates will never be shut. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. So God loves races, and he hates racism. Why? Because racism kills races. Racism comes against people. And so he is about breaking down Racism. I'm reading now from Ephesians chapter 2. It's a powerful passage about how God deals with the hostility of racism. And he's talking to Gentiles, and he's telling them what they were. Remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the call. Listen to that. They got a name. What were they called? The uncircumcision. That's what the circumcised people called them, and they branded them for their lack of connectivity, called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. That's Paul's understanding of it. (laughs) Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Pretty bleak. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you you were way out there, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both, say it, one. It's not we and them. The cross makes us all one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and expressed in the ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The world can't come up with this. The world will not solve the problem. It's solved through the cross of Jesus Christ that kills the hostility. Came and preached peace to you who were far off. You were way out there. You were far away. And peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we all call God the same. We call him Abba, Father, Daddy. So that's what, number one, what do we do? We look to God, and God shows us that he loves races and hates racism. Number two, James is going to help us again. He says later in this chapter, chapter one, let every person be Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. People are angry and they're justified. It's not going to produce the righteousness that they need. So I, in this situation... I've purposed to listen, and I say to my own shame that I have known little about racism. So I just wanted to talk to people who might have experienced it and hear their story. It's not secondhand anymore for me. I've I've talked to them, and I've heard them, and I want to hear more. I want to hear more from my friend. I don't know if I ever got his name. You talked about Adriana? The one that yeah, the, the one that I met at Pumping Gas. Yeah. I might be able to help you out with that. Yeah. 
Great, great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Did you mention Audrey? Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'll show you my notes later. So we're tempted to speak. I would say in this season, keep your mouth shut and, and ask. Get better acquainted with what people are experiencing. Maybe all of it or most of it is legitimate. I trust Audrey. I trust Esther. I trust Adriana. I trust Anthony. I trust this man, this young guy who's speaking to me. And it helped me to understand a little better what has been done to them. And I, I want no part of it. I want to listen. I, uh, when I talk about things I don't know a lot about, I show how stupid I am. And I, in a situation like this, I'm better just to ask a lot of questions. You're moving this way, are you? When you're done, before you I, do the benediction. Like well, to you're, you're, do, you can do it now or you can do it, because I've got some more to say, but oh, you're welcome. No, 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 you're, when you're done. Okay. I'm add He's only on number two of four. <laughs> so, so the second thing we do is we, we listen. As, uh, we validate them. We validate who they are. We validate how, how they're feeling. I think it meant something to Audrey to be able to, to know that I was sharing this today and, and she was believed. You know, I, uh, I don't want to politicize it. This is not a political matter. This is a spiritual matter. And uh, if I've done it, I want people to correct me. If I've, if I've been racist and, and how I've responded, I'm not sure what's the best way to say things now, whether I say African-American or black or what. I'm going to ask them, what do you prefer? See, we'll see what, uh, what they prefer. Uh, so I'm, this is not a political matter. Uh, it, I'm, I happen to be a Republican. I have a daughter, a, a wife, I'm sorry, a sister who is a Democrat. Yes, a sister. Her name is Lois. And we're at different places. You hear me? And so I, I choose not to turn this into a political issue. People are in pain, and so I want to hear their pain and try to understand that. Number three, realize it will get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. The world cannot solve this. They sing crazy songs and they say crazy things like, let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. I can't bring peace on earth. Jesus can. The cross can. God can. But I, I, I can't solve the problem, the racial problem. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. In fact, Second Thessalonians says that the world is going to get so dark that they're going to want anarchy, self-rule, and Paul says, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, the day of the Lord, unless the rebellion comes first, so more and more lawlessness, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. This is Second Thessalonians 2. He's called the man of lawlessness, is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God and object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Understand that the world will bow to him and say, you are our answer. That's how, that's how uh, strong and mighty the world is. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Because they refuse to love the truth, love the truth, 
and so be saved. They want their own way rather than the truth, and so it gets worse. Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the end times, nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom, ethnos, uh, people groups against people groups. So it's going to be even worse than it is now. Ethnic cleansing is still with us. Genocide in Rwanda, we're going to see it over again in other places, other, other ways. It's unthinkable. Neo-Nazism is alive and well in Germany. We still hate one another. The world hates other people that are different. And unredeemed humanity is not going to get it. They don't know how to get it. It's only found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And kingdom will rise against kingdom at the end of time. So just realize that. Number four, the answer is in the church, in the people of God. We can get it where two or three are gathered in his name. We can call somebody brother or sister who's not a part of our physical family because God breaks down the walls and makes us one in Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'm just going to say three things about that because it's not our doctrine that's going to convince them. As you know, it's, it's our love that's going to convince them. And that is so so essential that Jesus said, if you come to bring your gift and you realize that you've got some problem with somebody, what does it say? Yeah. So that has a priority over worship. Relationships have a priority over worship. If our relationships aren't right, our worship stinks. And God will say, I don't want to hear you. Because you're saying we and them. You're angry with this brother. And you won't be reconciled. Quit worshiping until you do what you need to do. Get right. Relationships are so important. They are so important that if someone is gifted prophetically or gifted in faith, gifted in miracles, but lacking in love, what does the Bible call for her? A noisy guy. Yeah. Quit making noise. You're in nothing. You're in nothing. That's how important love is. It's, it's through, through, true throughout the whole Old Testament. Before Jesus gave the great commission, sending people out, he gave them the great commandment. The commandment overrules the commission. And the commandment says... Love is at the top of the list. As I have loved you, so you love one another. So, we've got some, we've got some work to do, don't we? And, and uh, I'm glad we're, we can be committed to this as the people of God to, to really growing in love for one another. Yeah. Um, I just add one thing quick? Absolutely. Um, you talk about go and make it right. And um, in working through an estrangement period with someone I love so dearly, you try and do everything you can. And then a dear friend of mine reminded me, and, and then as far as it goes with you, do everything you can to make it right. Good. And then you have to stand in love when you're rejected. And that's yes. even harder than, I think, that's even harder than breaking through and going and saying, okay, I want to reconcile. It's when you're standing there mm -hmm. and you're not being received. That's a tough and one. that's where um, Ruth and Carrie and I talked this week, mm -hmm. and, and we just said it's only our prayers need to be like in this. Send it back to you, Lord. Because you are the source. You are the only source that can unlock this because it's the battle behind the battle. It's yeah. the true battle. Yeah. And if we get hung up in the words and the fighting and the everything else, we're, we're doing the flesh and blood thing, and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But it's the real battle, and it's only fought in love. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did Jesus win it? He laid down his life. 
He laid it down. And sometimes it comes at a huge price of us laying down our will, laying down our right to be right, and saying, I choose to love anyway, even when I'm being rejected. Excellent. And that sounds like what Anthony, my friend Anthony, was willing to do in vulnerability. It sounds like he was willing to lay it down and get, get weak yep. so that God could be strong within him. I'd uh, like to just share an experience I had in California the last week of May. Um, I met uh, friends of ours and, and parishioners, Kathy and Anthony, who drove up from Palm Desert to um, meet at the first restaurant that was open, one of the few that were open in Orange County on Seal Beach. <laughs> and uh, it was... What's right, the chance of that happening? Well, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. It was right after, you know, it was that... Saturday after Memorial Day, after the tragedy of Memorial Day. It was still during the COVID crisis. And, and point out for those that don't know Kathy and Anthony. Bi another biracial uh, couple mm -hmm. that I, I, I felt the Lord was speaking to me. Um, do live down the street from yeah, us here. And they live just down the street. And Anthony's been here a couple times, not but Kathy's regular. And so I was just asking him about insensitive slogans that are being passed around in the in the media and things like that, and that people are saying. And and I just interviewed him on on race relations, racism, and 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 her too, because as, as Paul pointed out so well, these biracial couples go through a lot mm. that that most of us don't understand. Yeah. And and I think the Lord was speaking to me about that. I think we are supposed to be a model of that because we we. We have biracial couples, mm -hmm. and we're blessed in that way. And we must remember, this has gone way back. I mean, the first biracial couple, as far as we know, was Moses and Zipporah. She mm -hmm. was a Kushite, sure. an African woman. So may God continue to give us uh, mm. sensitivity mm. and grace and, mm. and learn from this. Oh. Well, anyway, uh, it was really special to me because we found ourselves giving each other a hug <laughs> on top of the Seal Beach Pier, with the pier wasn't open, but we were on a hill with hundreds of people all around us. So during the COVID crisis and during a race crisis, we were giving wow. each other a hug that was pretty spontaneous, and I thought it was symbolic. But uh, Anthony said that many he's he grew up in St. Paul, was a Marine, so he knows what it's like to. And he said um, many or most white people don't understand that the oppression and the ongoing oppression, the marginal, being marginalized and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, along with, I mean, similar to all the things you sure. said before, but um, it's just that we, we need to stop being insensitive. And so it was really, really great for me. And uh, the Lord also spoke to me through the, I kind of paraphrased some of the, the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. So may us, may we be an instrument of his peace, Jesus' peace, mm. where there's hatred, love, mm. injury, healing, mm. despair, hope, darkness, light, fears, faith, mm. asking forgiveness rather than expect, expecting people to ask us for forgiveness. Uh, uh, yes, and to understand rather than to be understood. May he do this in our hearts in the name of Christ. Amen. That was a benediction. Amen. You just gave the benediction. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. So, uh, let's just talk together a little bit. If you have experiences that can help you want to say, us. Bless everyone and see you next Sunday. Uh, um, the, well, I, his word was the benediction, so that was it. Also be added prejudice.